Street gospel, light of the temple. Saw a swing, kill a lot from the ghetto. The hood messenger, let him know hell's close. Blackberry on the devil in a black cloak. Yo, what is up? Welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. I'm your host, Dave One. And this is episode number... Yo, Cam, what episode is this? This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Episode number 78. Yo, if you checked out episode number 77, you uh, heard a really great story from our man, Popeye. Uh, he came through. He told his story. Uh, Ray Corona is his real name. So uh, nickname Popeye from Bassett right there in La Puente. Uh, told us his story, man. Uh, a good guy. You can probably catch him uh, uh, refereeing a fight. You know what I mean? He's a professional referee, but uh, had a really good story. If you haven't heard that one, go back, check it out. Make sure you uh, s- send it to somebody. If you like it, send it to somebody. Subscribe. Make sure you subscribe. So wherever you watch us at, listen to us at, hit that subscribe button and uh, support us. That'll be uh, very helpful in this cause here. Uh, if you're on Spotify, you can support us. There's a little tab right there, and you can be a monthly supporter. It's not much. But it helps. So if you can do that, and you can also subscribe on YouTube. And uh, if you really liked it, you know you can little drop a little something for us in there. But uh, today we have a guest here, man, and uh, I gotta play a little music and uh, welcome him in. This guy, I met him. Uh, I was invited, me and my wife, to speak at their church, and uh, so we showed up. We we spoke at the church. We met him that time. And then we went again this pa- couple months ago. We went and spoke at uh, uh, a marriage retreat that they had. So had a good time over there. Good people. He was highly recommend. No pressure, bro. He was no highly pressure. recommended by Chris Mora. Um, <laughs> so uh, I said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take Chris's um, recommendation. I'm gonna go for it, man. So. Uh, no, but Chris is a good dude, and uh, I know if Chris recommends you, man, and said, hey, you got to get this guy on, then I know it's going to be a good thing. But I want to welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast. He uh, he is a a believer, a father, a husband. He is a deacon at his church. He helps people with uh, recovery. He does it all, man. I want to welcome to the Street Gospel Podcast, Mr. Caesar Franco. Well, thank you for having me. What's Michael. up, brother? I know, no, no pressure, huh? <laughs> no pressure. Chris goes, you gotta get. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him know. You, you gotta be on his podcast. I'm like, all right. He goes, no, I'm gonna tell him for real. I'm like, all right. Yeah. He's like, I told him. I let him know. I'm like, oh, great. Yeah, I think no it was pressure. Like, I think it was a couple of days, and then Chris is like, hey, bro, uh, did you hit him up? And I was like, no, I haven't hit him up, man. And after he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. I just, I haven't gotten around to it, man. I'm just, you know, I will. So I told him, just chill. We'll get to it. But uh, thanks for coming out, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate I, it. I know it was a long drive. We, we, we won't yeah. tell where you drove from, but it yeah. was super far, super man. Far. It was it was a struggle to get here. No. Traffic was terrible. No, the the funny, whole one street light. Yeah, yeah. I, the funny thing is you, you literally lived down the street, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm surprised we never ran into each other. It is crazy. That's It is that's, pretty crazy. That's weird, man. 
I and I'm I'm a, I'm a I'm a guy that notices everybody. So mm-hmm. my wife is just oblivious. You know, she doesn't notice anybody when we're walking around the mall or something like that. But me, if I see people somewhere at restaurants, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Oh, I know that guy right there. I know. So she's always like, what? How do you remember everybody? I, I, just, I just recognize everybody, yeah. you know. But we never <laughs> ran into each other, man. It's not, weird. Not once. It's crazy. I've, I've known people that lived up and down this street my, my whole life. It's crazy, man. I, I've been living over here for a while now, so it's crazy. But, it is crazy. That's hey, cool, man. though. Well, thanks for coming down, man. I appreciate yeah. it, bro. Thank you. Um, so you you go to uh, New Wine Church, right in Fuller, yep. in Fullerton there, and uh, how long have you been going there, man? Eight years. Gave my life to the Lord there. You gave your life to I the Lord. I gave my there. life to the Lord there. It's pretty crazy because people always ask me why why do you go to church so far? Yeah, like Fullerton's kind of far. I'm like, yeah, it is. They're like, how's the traffic? I'm like, let's just not talk about the traffic. Let's <laughs> just, it's just far, right? But but my life changed there. You know, my heart's there. That's where. You know where where God really showed His love to me through the people and right. everything. So really changed my I, life. There. I've been there a couple of times, man. So you, like, my church is far right now. You know, and I, almost same you yeah. know same distance that you travel pretty much to go to church. But uh, I was like, I found a church. I, I tried the local church. Mm-hmm. It was three minutes from the house right here, man. You know, and I was just like, okay, let me let me. Let me just go and and, and try this. I went there for, I would say, a good three or four months. And it was nice getting home in four minutes. Yeah. You know, it was nice, you know, getting there in two minutes, you know, (laughs) whatever. But uh, I don't know, man. It was just, uh, it wasn't, it just, well, there was no connection there, man. Sometimes family's worth the drive. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and, and because we have a pastor that always says a church alive is worth the drive, right? Right. But it, it's really not the church that really makes us go that far. It's the family. It's yeah. The, it's the closeness. It's the, the camaraderie. The, the camaraderie. Yeah. yeah. I, camaraderie and, and, and relationships, which what it really is, right? Mm-hmm. What it boils down to is is huge. Yep. And that's what keeps people in church. That's what keeps people coming back to church. Um, you know, in that whole process of, of, of going to a new church, you know, we tried a church like down the street and it was a, <laughs> it was a, uh, uh, before we went to that other one, it was a uh, a good sized church. We went two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Nobody talked to us. Nobody said hi. Yeah. It wasn't a massive church. It was a decent sized church, medium size, yeah. maybe medium to small. You know what I mean? And nobody talked to us. And I was just like, "Yeah, it's not for us." It was a great church. The, the worship was great. The preaching was great. But there was something about like uh, it, it, nobody tells you hi. I was like, yeah. So the relationship. I mean, yeah. it, that's what's that's what's huge. That's the that's the first thing I'll, I I make it a point right at, at church. So if I see somebody, I got to go say hi to them, even if I know them, right? right? Because that that person, you don't know what they're going through. You know, sometimes that simple, hey, how you doing? Like yep. I see you. I know yeah. you're alive. Yeah. And then they just leave, even if they just go home after. They're like, hey, somebody noticed me today. Yeah, someone recognized me. Someone just said hi to me. That was enough for me to come back next week. Right. That was enough for me to say, all right, you know what? I'm gonna try church again. Yeah. You know, I think that's what's important. Like, like I, I, I always do that too. But I'm horrible at names, so I'll write it in my phone. Mm-hmm. And then it's funny because if I, let's say I met you at church, and I'll, I would get my phone, I say, "Do with the long hair, Caesar." <laughs> so I always write myself a little note in my phone or. Dude has a tattoo on his neck. Uh, yeah, Juan. Oh, the brother with the glasses. Oh, that's mm-hmm. uh, so-and-so. You know, it's always I put a little description because sometimes I'm just like, I, I, I'm horrible with names. But there's no excuse. I mean, I, I have a phone. I can write a little note. And the <laughs> next time I see them, then it makes them feel even better. Because when I see them again and I call them by their name, then they're like, oh, snap, this guy remembered me. Mm-hmm. 
That's a, my dad's the worst with names. My, he'll go, who, what's that guy's name who looks like this? I'm like, dude, you just named half the church. I was like, that Mexican guy with the mustache? I'm like, bro. Uh, yeah, you, the Mexican who? guy with the mustache. Yeah, like, yeah, let's like start different. 50 of them. Yeah. But, but I, it, it's, I think it's important, especially as believers, to, to recognize people. Yeah. Right. Whether you know their name or not, not not in that sense, like you have to know them, but just to recognize them. Right. Right. Because I think today the church has lost that. Yeah. The church has lost. Right. We only recognized who we know. Yeah. Right? We if you're a Christian, I can talk to you. But if you're not, I can't talk to you. Yeah. And, and I think we've distanced ourselves from look at the world. The world's chaotic. Right. Yeah. But the world's chaotic in our world and in, in the Christian world. Right. The Christians battle the Christian. That, 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 and we're like, wait a minute! I thought we we're supposed to find the lost. That's yeah. what we're here for, right. not to argue with each other and complain with each other. We're here to, to we're called to to minister to the people, whether they're a believer or not. That's that's. I think that's a, unfortunately that's a, the the greatest problem in in the church is unity is just huh? coming together. You know, different even different churches and coming together and working together are. Hey, we're brothers. Even though we go to a different church, it's cool, man. We're, yeah. we're still brothers. We're going to work together. That's what I, I, I dug when you guys invited us back twice because, we're, you know, we're not a part of your fellowship. We know people there. You guys know people that, where I go. and But it was cool just to, hey, go outside of, of somewhere else. You yeah. know what I mean? That we're not fam- we weren't familiar with a lot of people, only Chris yeah. and Christina, you know. So it was different to get out of that, man. So definitely uh, – Something the church could be better at is just getting getting outside themselves, you know, forgetting about your own problems and, you know, and finding people in the church. I don't think we always do it on purpose, mm-hmm. but I think sometimes you just get caught up at church. Either you're doing something, you're busy, you're setting something up, you're fixing something or yeah. trying to help somebody set something up and then you... You miss that person. I'm like, oh, I miss that guy. My problem at church sometimes is that I think people are new. <laughs> and I go up to them and I'm like, hey, uh, first time. And they're like, no, nah, I've been here like four times already. I'm like, oh, my bad. But, you know, I, at least I, I made the effort to go up yep, to them. Yep, yep. So, so where did you grow up, man? Right. Same house I live in till this day. Really? Grew up in the same house. I'm 37 years old, so I've been there for 37 years. Wow, dude. Same house. I've been in every bedroom but the master bedroom at that house. <laughs> That's, uh, so I live with my parents. So I've I've seen I've seen Rancho change. Yeah. I've seen. I mean. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, it, it was just Target. Uh, you had Target, Mervins, and some stores in between there. You had a Best Buy at the other end, and then over here you had Miller's Outpost. Nope. And then that was it. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, Quake Stadium got built, and then everybody started building everything. And that's now it's crazy, man. That's what it is today. Just exploded. Yeah, I, I, you know the city's nice. Mm-hmm. Love the city. The city's really cool, man. People are are are, are pretty chill. Uh, it's a great place to grow up. Did you, did you like growing up here? I loved it. Yeah. The only thing I'm a only child. Oh, okay. So, I mean, growing up was a little bit harder. Yeah. Because I had friends that they all lived. Like I said, they all lived over here. But they had brothers and sisters. They had people to play with. They had people to hang out with. I was always the only child. So if I had nothing to do, it was just me. Wow. It was just me to hang out with me. You know, I didn't have siblings to fight with, to play with, to do all those things. So growing up was a little bit harder in that sense. But, I mean, I yeah. no complaints here. It's yeah, man. Been good. The, only, the only child's not that bad sometimes, no. man. Oh, I got spoiled like no other. <laughs> yeah, you got spoiled like, yeah. Yeah, the you're, you're the the first, the last, the everything, yeah, man. Yeah. So this doesn't matter. You, now you grew up in a in a Christian home. Is, is that is that true? Oh, that's a. You could say it was a Christian home. It started as a Christian home, but not. Uh, so my parents went to church. 
when I was born, right there. My mom was really dedicated and really serving the Lord. My dad went, I don't know how, how much he was in, but so then growing up, they kind of fell away and got it. My dad's a biker. So they fell into the biker lifestyle. So me growing up, I, I grew up in bars. Oh, I, wow. I could play video poker like nobody else, right? <laughs> like I, I went to bars when they had the smoking and non-smoking section, oh, yeah. but everything wasn't really divided. You just have the smoke carry over to your area, right? And so, so I, I knew bars. I knew I knew the biker lifestyle. I knew how to hang out with adults. Like I said, I was only a child, so I knew how to hang out with adults. Wow. Hanging out with kids was a little hard. It, I, it was on. It didn't really fit me very well because you go to the bar scene. Yeah, you have adults that act like kids at the bar, but I just that's all I knew. Right. That's all. So my childhood was it's pretty crazy. Now I think about it, like it's just I was a I was a bar kid. A Sounds ba- weird. A, a, a bar, bar kid. kid. Just uh, yeah, like, how bar. do you say that, right? You have like pastors' kids. I was a bar kid. Played you know played darts. Played different games over there. Like that was my thing. It reminds me of uh, what, what's that movie, Cap? And uh, is it uh, Big Daddy? And oh he, yeah. And he, t- he takes him to the bar for the game, and he's just hanging out there like you can't bring a kid in here. And he's like, who says so? <laughs> yeah. But it was crazy. I mean, my, my childhood was, I mean, I, I, I had a pretty tough childhood. So yeah. growing up, uh, I might get a little emotional. I'm an emotional kind of guy. So, but, so growing up, uh, my, when my parents fell away from the Lord, my, when they stopped doing that, they, they would take me to, to my mom's uh, parents' house, her stepdad and, and her mom's house, Okay, which was in East L.A. It was in Lenox. So... I would say Le- Lennox is 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 actually Gardena. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. South so, South Bay. So I, I, I only know that because it's, it's it's like it's like it's a little gang territory right there. It is. <laughs> yeah. And right. So I remember you could walk out their front door, and you could throw a rock across the street, and you you could hit like Inglewood. Like yeah, they were yeah. like bordered each other. Yeah. So I would have to go there all the time. They would just drop me off there and do do their thing, right? Well, growing up, my mom's stepdad used to molest her. Mm. Well, what's going to happen when you drop me off with the same guy? So what happened? That's why I, I grew up in that lifestyle of going to bars with my parents and so you're, and so, living this crazy life when I was in the secret, in the dark. So your mom got molested by her stepdad. Yep. And then dropped you off. Yeah. And Ooh. so so imagine growing up like that, right? Oof. I'm like, you already knew this guy. Because I knew that happened to my mom. But I'm like, why would you How drop you me know off? Because she would tell me. Oh wow! She, we we knew my my dad told me that we knew that so I would grow up and be like why would you drop me off here like you already That's know rough. the kind of guy this is and right. you're gonna do this to me and, and so I lived that way for a long time like resentment and just just eating me away right and, and so growing up my parents would try to be good parents and I'm not saying they were bad parents but in my mind I'm like you're not a good parent you, did, you, did, did did they just not have the capacity to be a good parent. Because I, I know there's some people that are horrible parents, right? Yeah. And just, just, I guess, evil. I'm not saying that they're yeah, evil. Yeah. But maybe they didn't have the capacity to be good. They didn't know how to be good parents. I would or- say that. Well, when I think for my mom, with everything she dealt with, I think she still has to deal with that in her life today. But it's kind of like if we don't talk about it, it never happened. Mm. Right? And a, so, a lot of old school parents yeah, are like that. Yeah. They, yeah. They, so they, 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 they just... Harbored yeah, it in. Yeah, just harbor and, yeah. it in. And, I mean, you could see it in her life. It still affects her life, right? And so I think if, if you don't talk about it, it never happened. So I'm just going to take him there, take me there, 
it never happened in her mind. It never happened. So how could it ever happen to me if it never happened in her mind? Right. Right. And so, like I said, I dealt with that for a long time. I mean, I still, I dealt with it till I got saved, you know, and really gave my life to the Lord, but it was a struggle. It was a really, really big struggle. It's it. I don't, I don't think it ever goes away. I think God heals it, but it's, it's something that still, it's like, Oh yeah. I, I tell people all the time. So, so there's things that I, I still can't do or be around, right? Mm. So silly things. So, so my my mom uh, is very like, she's very Hispanic in the sense that she's into home remedies, right? So if you have mosquitoes, you put bars of soap around the house. It's supposed to prevent bugs. It doesn't work. Old school stuff. Uh, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah. work. But broken leg, me, put some Vicks on it. Yeah, yeah. Get an onion for a band aid or whatever. And so. <laughs> But I laughed. What I struggle with is, so she was putting these bars of soap around the house, right? It was the same kinds of bars of soap that that man used. Mm. And I'm like, why is this bothering me? I'm like, why is this? I feel weird just looking at a piece of soap. Like, this is weird. And I, I had talked to my wife, and I went, you know why it's bothering me? And she and I was like, because it reminds me of all those situations. I was like, I can't even use bar soap. This is crazy. The trigger, but it's just a trigger. It's just something that's deep back down there. And it's crazy because sometimes I have to tell myself that it really did happen because I I start to doubt, like, did it happen? Did it really happen? And then my wife has, has friends that have been through the same thing and they go, yeah, that's normal. Like we go through it too. I'm like, all right, good. I'm not just losing my mind wondering if it really happened. My brain just trying to turn it off. Right. And it's something I deal with, but, but I get, I got past it. You know, there's just things that try to like come back and say, "Hey, this is gonna bother you today." And I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna bother me, but it won't bother me tomorrow." Wow. You know, but so it's a constant, constant. It's constant. Wow. See, how do you explain that? How do you explain that you've been healed? In your, do you are you healed from the hate or maybe uh, the the ill will towards that person? Are you healed from the pain or, and then kind of associate that with, you know, the daily battle. So when I first became a believer, the first thing I did was look at, if I'm going to do this Jesus thing, I'm going to find a scripture that condemns that man. And I would read the Bible. I'm like, I am going to find that scripture. And then I found the scripture where Jesus says, he goes, if you cause one of these to heal, it's better for him to tie a millstone around his neck oh, yeah. and throw him into the sea. And I was like, I found it. You heard it. I you heard found kid, it. Right? Yeah, right. I was like, I found it. This is the scripture I've been looking for. And I remember going and talking to a leader at my church at the time. And he goes, well, what about forgiveness? I was like, no, I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for condemnation. And he goes, but Jesus said, forgive him. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not what I'm looking for. It, like, <laughs> stop. Like, you're, yeah. you're trying to mess up my whole vibe right now. Right. And he goes, he, he, so he just showed me some scriptures. He goes, look, if you forgive him, I mean, he goes, you don't have to go hang out with him. You don't have to be buddy buddies with right. him. Right. You don't have to just, okay, now that I forgive you, let's go hang out. You know, or, you know, and so when I came to that point where I said, okay, I can forgive him. I don't need to hang out with him. I don't need to do that. And I, I remember going up to my mom, like, mom. I forgive him. She was like, forgive who? I was like, I forgive your stepdad. And she goes, well, how? I was like, because the Lord told me to. I was like, I'm going to deal with some things in my life every day. And I get that. And that's fine. I was like, but he is not going to hold any power over me anymore. Right. That was the key. Right. Right. I was just, I was giving this guy power over my life and he didn't even know it, Mm. you know? And then what really humbled me is 
is my mom came up to me one day and she goes, she goes, you know what? He dealt with the same thing when he was a child. And I went, wow. I was like, I can't be mad at him. Yeah, he was just dealt the wrong cards, you know, or I shouldn't say dealt the wrong cards. He was just dealt hard cards. Right. And he just didn't know how to do it. And right. so he didn't know how to deal with it. And and what happened? Someone just did someone did something to him and no one was there to comfort him. So he just at, at, lashed out the same way that he was lashed out against, you know, wow. and so it, it was it was humbling. I was like, man, you know what? He's probably going through the same things I'm going through. He just never got had a chance to deal with it. You know, he never got to deal with the things in his life that that other people because he's old school. He's old, old school. So he's talking about you can't bring up any emotions. You can't right. talk about things. You just suck it up. Man, the, 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 going to forgiveness, though, on, on, on something like that, I think it's for me, like when I when I tell people about forgiveness, it's it, I'm pretty real about it because I, I realize like. God is powerful and God is great and God puts it on your heart. But I had I had a, a pastor in here named Israel Campbell a couple couple podcasts ago, and he and he was telling me that forgiveness is a process sometimes, right? He, I think when we, we 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 think we're believers and we get in a situation like this, right, or something happened or somebody hurt you or burned you or whatever it may be, you know, you, you we think like you, you get those super spiritual Christians that say, hey, you need to forgive and. They want, you know, just like that. But I think sometimes there is, and, and there is some supernatural mm-hmm. forgiveness that goes like that. And God delivers a person instantly. Right. But I think there's sometimes where it's like a, like a process where, where, you know, you're working your way there, you know, you're going to eventually get there, but you're asking God just to help you and work your way. Mm-hmm. Was, was your, was your forgiveness kind of like that? Oh yeah. It, so when he had shared, when that, the leader had shared about forgiveness to me, right. So I had been a Christian maybe six months at that time. Well, I, it took me way longer till I accepted yeah. the forgiveness, right? Because even then I said, I'm not going to forgive this guy. This isn't fair. You know, th- this guy did me dirty. Like, this isn't fair. He did my whole family dirty. My whole family had to deal with all of this, right? I was like, this isn't fair. And I had, and I dealt, and the Lord had to deal with me. You know, through every trial and everything I had to go through and, and all this forgiveness, he would always remind me like, but I forgave you. Yeah. I forgave you. And I was like, I don't care. This isn't, <laughs> this isn't about me right now. You know, this is and different. This is different. You know, let's, let's get this together. Let's get this straight, God. And, and, uh, and it was, it was a process. It's still a process, you know, so, cause sometimes I see my mom and I, oh, she struggles with things and I'm like, man, Lord. Look, some like, anger is, rises yeah, up. Yeah. Here, and I'm right? like, hold on. Just take it back you know it's i i I think that's the realest thing is is to admit that it is a process Mm -hmm. i think yeah the lord can do anything but i think even even within uh trials or even within just struggles right the the lord kind of puts those things in your life you know puts that thorn in your flesh where you're just like oh man you you're working through it and you're asking god man help me just fight this off and 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 somehow in that struggle god's making you a better man yep. or making you a better person or taking you to a new level mm-hmm. in, in your belief in Christianity. I, I think uh, the process is, 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 is a real thing that we don't always talk about. Like just like in the marriage class when we were talking, right? It's, it's a process, everybody like, it's not easy. You're working your way to become a good husband. You're working your way to become a good wife. And then when you get there, guess what? A new level starts to come up and you're thinking in your head, like, what the heck is that about? You know what I mean? So I think, um, yeah, I think the process of of forgiveness is the same thing. I think sometimes we, 
especially as believers, we get super spiritual. And I think we think like, yeah, I got to forgive today. Or I got to do this immediately. And, and, and God can do those things for sure. And he has. And I, but I think sometimes when it, when it doesn't have it instantly, we're just like, <laughs> you know, we, we struggle yep, yep. because, you know, and then we got to like, I think we need to step, take a step back and say, okay, this is a process. Lord, you're going to have to help me with this and be honest with God and say one step at a time. Yep. That's okay. Right. That's right. I, that's what I love about David in the Psalms. Right. Because you would tell God his heart. Sometimes yeah. he would be mad and tell, hey, God, I'm angry. Yeah. Or he'd be like, did you forget about me? Right. Like, hey, I thought I thought we were on, on good terms here. And then he would fall into sin and be like, all right, God, forgive me. I messed up. I, I screwed up. You know, and then he would come back and be like, hey, my enemies are against me. Did you forget about me again? And the Lord's like, hey, no one forgot about you. Yeah. Just chill out. Just relax. You'll get it together. Just just go. It's in, that, it's in that process, man. Mm-hmm. So as as growing up as a kid, how did this uh, this is negatively affect you throughout, or did you oh. did you rebel? A, a bar kid, just w- w- what did you what did you become? It's funny because hanging out in bars, you'd think I would have become an alcoholic, right? Sure, I was far from it. Or a nice pool player, yeah, or a good pool player, right? <laughs> and and it's crazy because, I mean, I drank in high school, and that's when I started to realize. Man, I, I have all these emotions. I have all this stuff going on, and I don't know how to deal with it. I, I have no one to share it with. I don't have a bro- like I said. I didn't have a brother or sister to like. Hey, I, I had close friends, but I, it's hard to talk about those things with friends. Right. You, you don't. How do you bring that up, right? Right. And, and, and so, you couldn't talk to your mother either about it. No. Then it brings up feelings for her, yes. and you probably felt guilty that you're making your mom. Yeah, I didn't sad. want to make her even more upset or, or yeah. feel even more guilty, and so I became a drug addict. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know, I, I in I, high school? In high school. Wow. So I, I, I was uh I was hooked on opiates. By the by my senior year, I, I always told people I got straight A's. I graduated with straight A's and an opiate addiction. How did it start though? You got introduced? Uh yes. You know, I had a friend who who broke his arm and he was like, Hey man, I got these pills. I was like, All right, cool. And I was like, Man, these are great. You know, I'm, this is exactly how I want to feel all the time. What and did I, it do for you? So I I always tell people I was like a tweaker heroin addict, right? So whenever I did that stuff, like any kind of opiate, I became a kind of tweaker, high energy, which was complete opposite, right? And, and so I was like that. So I felt good. I was like, I could do tons of stuff. I can have a good time. I'm not all looking like I'm all crazy. Like, I'm good. But in all reality, I wasn't good. I was I was just going down a deep rabbit hole, you know. And so when I graduated out of high school, all I did was just graduate into other drugs, right? I, I tried every drug under the sun, you know. I've done them all, you know. And But what I ended at it was meth, meth and heroin, right? So I, I went from... Wor- the worst. Yeah, the worst. And so I went from, from alcohol to opiates, like pill opiates. But then I started doing uh, Oxycontin. Well, then Oxycontin got too expensive. I, and, and I had a friend, well, I guess you can't really call him a friend, but he said, he goes, dude, I got something that's way cheaper, fraction of the price. 
And I was like, he's like, dude, I got heroin. I was like, all right. And that was it. You, you, know? you didn't, you didn't get the, you didn't feel the heroin stigma after, you know, you, 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 when you, when people used to back in the day, when they say you taking heroin, it was like this, oh, you're dirty. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like this designer drug or cool drug, like cocaine or anything. Like that. <laughs> when you started doing heroin back in the day, it was like, whoa, bro, you, you, you're a junkie. Yeah. So it, in my mind, I always told people I was a drug addict. So I, I, I was in love with drugs. And so I told people, you could have a billion dollars over here and a pile of heroin over here. I would jump on that pile of heroin before I even touched the money. Wow. I was like, I was that bad. I was that crazy. And, and I, all I could think about all in my mind was that, that instant gratification, right? And so I didn't care about a stigma. If you wanted to call me a drug addict, that's fine. You call me a junkie, that's cool. You wow. want to call me a tweaker? whatever i was like you're not me and you know that's how that's my mindset i was like you can't tell me what to do i don't care what you call me that's my life right i'm not hurting anybody but myself wow it was just a lie what well, how were you getting money for drugs well, i worked oh so you're a functioning for drug. for a while i should say i worked for a little bit so i i've worked i was a steel fabricator then i worked at universal studios i worked in the garage there and and that's when my addiction got really bad. So I quit. Oh, I, I like just stopped showing up and wow. just started selling it. So you had a decent job. Yeah, I did. I had a great job. Man. I threw it away. I said, this isn't for me. And so you went, where did you, how did you so get I just money? started selling, started selling. Oh. And then I was like, well, I gotta, I have the, so I started using, uh, like I said, I was doing Oxycontin and I couldn't afford it anymore. And then someone showed me heroin. I was like, man, I don't want to do heroin too long because I heard people get sick. So then another coworker at Universal Studios was like, dude, just use meth to get off the heroin. And I was like, all right. It sounds like a great idea. And so I was just going back and forth, back and forth until I was just doing both at the same time. Eventually, I was just selling just to be not be sick, you know, just to stay well. And, And it was a terrible terrible life I had, there was a lady at our church said one time she goes she goes i was a terrible heroin addict i was i was always sick i was i was always just trying to get well and that's how it was it was just a constant constant battle of just trying to not be horribly sick that day did you ever not want to do drugs always like, did you ever want to get off drugs always. did you realize like man I'm, I'm way too deep this needs to stop Always. I think, I don't know a single drug addict that does not want to get out of that lifestyle. It, I, no one goes in it and saying, I love this, right? You know, like I wanted to get high all the time. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I enjoyed it at the time, but I, I did not enjoy it. You know, I just enjoyed not having to think about anything, but I did not enjoy not being able to think about anything, right? It was just a just constant drugs every day battle. From, yeah. From when you woke up to the time you went to bed. Yeah. If, if, you, I ever, if you went to bed. If I ever went to bed. And so Dang. it was a constant, constant battle because, again, my, my whole past, the more I used, the more my past started to surface. Oh, so, so it was opposite for you. Yeah. Because people say that the more they use, the, the, the easier it was to forget their past. When I was high. When I was coming down, oh, when you came down, then you faced the reality, and I'm facing reality, and, and to the extreme, okay. right to the extreme. So now, when you come down, you're full of emotions, and and now all I could think about were everything bad that could happen to me, 
right? Or that has happened to me, and I would just hyper focus on it and just be oh. in chaos. It's like, it's like a like a, a a mental prison or something yeah, like that. It is. Did you get like people have told me I've never done drugs, and I had somebody uh, uh, a friend of ours came in here named Sylvia, and she said that it was like it was constantly. The first time she got high, it was like constantly trying to get to that point again. But you never get to that point again. Yep. Like it, you never get that euphoric feeling that you had it for the first time. And every time you get high after that, you're trying to get to that point again. But you never quite achieve that point. I think there's a point where you're not you. You know you're never going to achieve it. You just don't want to be sick anymore. <sighs> it's like unattainable, right? You're just always reaching for the sky, and you're instead of just reaching all the way up, you're just like, I'll just go here. I don't want to feel cra- crappy today. I'm just gonna go this far. What's a what's a crappy day or a feel a sickness that you get when you don't get there? What is it like? So one time, me and my wife, when we were just dating, because we both used together, and when we were dating, one day she wakes up and she's like, "I feel like I'm getting sick. I think I I feel like I'm getting the flu." And I'm like, "What?" And she's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Well, what's wrong? What do you feel like?" She's like, "Well, my body hurts." She's like, "I feel like I'm gonna throw up." So I was like, she's like, I just think I have the flu. I was like, you don't have the flu. I was like, does the flu feel like that? Like, I was like, how about the flu times 10, huh? Oof. She goes, yeah. And I was like, that's exactly what it is. I was like, you're kicking. That's like, exactly what it like was. It's like COVID-25. Yeah, it is terrible. Terrible. Ugh. But then, Until you but get then the drugs. But then it's in your mind, too. It's not only physical. It's in your mind. So you start to play like, I really need to get this. What do I do next? How do I get to it? Like, what, what am I going to do if I don't get it? You know, and then you you have all these like anxiety all of a sudden kicks in. Never had anxiety in your life. All of a sudden you have it to the extreme. You're all stressed out. You're you're in all extremely vulnerable. You're like, what do I do next? You're like, uh, well, what if I don't get it? Then then it's even worse. Is is it as a believer now looking back at those days? Do you? It sounds cliche. I mean, to, to some people, it sounds cliche. But how much of, of, of a demonic spirit is behind drugs, oh. bro? I mean, I mean, we know what it brings, but I mean, when it starts getting into your mind, when you start hearing voices, I mean, these are not just the drugs talking. Am I right? Or no, absolutely. this is more, right? So, good example right here. So, when me and my wife were dating, uh, we would get into arguments. So, we would get into really, really deep arguments. And in those arguments, uh, I always knew I could always play the game. So I knew if I was a, I was a one of those guys that you deny till you die, right? I would lie through my teeth. I would I would lie, and if I got caught in a lie, I would still admit I wasn't lying. And so we would get in these fights, these dark, bad, bad, bad fights. And she would say, "You're lying." I'm like, "I'm not lying. I'm not lying." She's like, "Yeah, you are." So she would leave, get in the car, pull out of the driveway, and pull back in the driveway, come in and say sorry, and well, like I won, I won the fight. And, and so one day we had already been through a lot. We were, we went on a, a, a like a one day binger and we were kind of already on hard times and we got in a fight again, but all the drugs were gone. And so she left and I was like, man, I know this game. I, I've seen it a million times. She'll be back. Well, she pulled out of the driveway and when she pulled out of the driveway, she didn't come back. Mm. She just kept driving. I went, this isn't how it's supposed to work out. <laughs> right. And so I remember going in my room and, and just like freaking out. I couldn't, I didn't know what to do. I was in just this like chaos. Right. And after that, I woke up in the hospital four days later in the hospital, in the hospital, right after that. 
I, I, I remember the argument and then I, waking up in the hospital. And I remember they woke up. I only woke up because they were pulling the catheter out. And they like woke me up. I was like, what's going on? My parents are sitting right there next to my bed. And I'm like, why, why, why am I here? They're like, so you didn't have, you had no clue? No idea. I'm just sitting there like, why am I in the hospital? And they're like, you tried to kill yourself. I was like, no, for real. Like, what happened? They're like, my dad looks at me. He's like, you tried to hang yourself. I found you in the closet. And I'm like, what? And it was like so surreal. I couldn't believe it, right? So I'm a drug addict. I was like, let me go brush my teeth. Never brushed my teeth. Never cared about my teeth in a day for the past 10 years. And so I'm like, let me go brush. And so I got to the mirror in the bathroom. I had no whites in my eyes. There were just all the blood vessels in my eyes popped. I had like scars on my chin. And then I had a rope burn around my neck. I was like, all right, this is real. This is real. You right? had you had no recollection of that. Nothing. I I know what time it happened. Uh, exactly the time was five thirty six on April fifteenth. So it was tax day at five thirty six, right? And, and I only know that because so my dad has a pacemaker. And the following week he had to go to the doctor, and the doctor's like, "Hey, what ha- you what happened to your pacemaker? Did you were you near anything electronic that shocked you?" And he goes, "No." They're like, at, "On April fifteenth." At 5.36, your pacemaker spiked like like heart attack. And they're like, what do you mean? And, and he's like thinking about it. He was like, that's when I found my son. And, and he and so I know the time and the day, but that's all. I, I just know that. That's it. And so so I woke up. And so you would think this is where I, I know it's demonic. So you would think the first thing I would be like, all right, I need to change my life. I need to get my life together. Oh, for sure. Well, my, my wife came into the hospital room, and the first thing I told her wasn't, hi, wasn't I love you, wasn't I'm sorry. I said, hey, go pick up a sack. I'm ready to get high again. So so you're in the hospital. <laughs> Let me get this right. You're in the hospital. You don't know why you're there. You wake up. You, you, you your, your, your parents are standing by. They tell you that you try, they found you trying to hang yourself mm-hmm. in a closet. Mm-hmm. You don't believe, so you go to the restroom. You look at yourself. You see everything. You see the burn mark. Yep. Your eyes messed up. Everything scratched on your face, whatever it may be. And then your wife comes, and you tell her to go get you drugs. Yep. <laughs> and and so it doesn't end there. So, you weren't afraid. No. So I, in my mind, that's like, how like twisted not even, my mind. Not was. even for a day. Like you, you'll get guys that get freaked out for. Maybe a week or two and yeah. be like, yeah, man, this, I, I, I almost died. Mm-hmm. No. Because I thought if I can't kill myself, nothing can. <laughs> so that, but, that, but then that's how I know it's demonic because it had such a, like, uh, like a binding on me, right? It was just so, it was like stuck to me. Like I couldn't get rid of it. And I remember going home, they had, this is how I know the enemy was so involved. So I had a doctor come into the room right after, right? I had woken up. It was a psychologist, psychiatrist, psychologist. And they went in. They're like, are you okay to go home? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, okay, we'll let you out today. I'm I'm a drug addict who just tried to kill themselves. And in my mind, I'm like, oh. this lady has no idea. I'm like, well, I'm going to just go try to do it again. Like, but she, and it, I know that was just something so demonic <sighs> that said, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I have you bound. Right? And so I... I went, I had to go, I got admitted into a psych ward, 
uh, in June. So it was April, May, June. I got admitted into a psych ward. I always tell people I did the extended stay. So you have the 5150 and then a 5250. What is that? It's just a little bit longer, like a week long. So it, it I got that. The 5150 is, is you're kind of going days. out of your mind. Yeah, you, you tell them like, hey, I'm struggling. I, I think I'm going to kill myself. So they'll, they'll, they'll put you in for like three days. And what do they do for you for that? Just watch you. That's they don't it. do anything. Okay. Yeah, they don't. They, they just, here's a bed, sleep. If you get all crazy, we'll just give you a shot of Benadryl to make you sleep some more. I always tell people, if you're not crazy going in, you'll be crazy coming out. Oof. Because it, it, you people go there because they think there's something wrong with them. But sometimes they're, they're just drug addicts like me. I, I just met more clientele when I went in. They were like, hey, you, you, you use? Yeah. All right, we're going to hit you up when we get out. I'm like, I know why we're all here. We're just struggling. We're just drug addicts. Mm. And so I remember coming out and... They gave me all this medication, and and my wife would come and see me once in a while. She was like, you were not the same. She was like, you were a zombie. She And, and it was crazy because I would sit down and, and watch TV, and I would get up, walk to the hallway, and just punch a hole in the wall. Kick and knee the wall and put a hole in it and go sit down and watch TV again. And my parents are like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, what? They're like, you just put a hole in the wall. What was going on? I, I don't, it was just, I, I don't know. It wasn't me. I would go into the bathroom in, in the, the glass mirror above the sink. And I remember opening it and just slamming it shut and it shattered everywhere. And I just went back, watch TV. Like nothing happened. I was just full of rage and it'd be gone. Were you on drugs then or you were just. Yes, I was. So I had medication and drugs at the same time. So who knows what was going on? With, Wait, what is the difference between medication and drugs? Well, what doctors do pre- prescribe medication and then meth and heroin so, on the side. So just making it worse. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know what already was going through a lot in my mind as it is. Now I'm adding on to all these other things, and so I have all these specific medications to try to fix my brain, and I'm using all these other drugs to manipulate my brain. And so I was just, it was demonic. That's the only thing I could say. It was demonic. And, and I remember specifically looking uh, uh, one night. It, w- it was like my final night, right? I was done. A- and I was like, you know what? I'm going to kill myself tonight. I was like, it's going to happen. But I'm not going to do it like I did before, right? I was like, I'm going to just get so, so high where I just fall asleep. What, what brought you to that conclusion, though? I, th- I think at that point I was pretty alone. And like my parents I had already gotten to the point where they're like, you we don't go. know what to do. Yeah, we don't know what to do. Well, the only friend I had was my neighbor across the street, but we're only friends because we used together. And how long had you been getting high at this point? 13 years. So that's that's rough on a family, right? Yes. And, uh, on not only your body, but your family. You had a wife. Yep. Well, we weren't married yet. You weren't married. So I only say it's my wife because it. Now it's your wife. Yeah. Now it's my I wife. I got you. So that's a whole nother story. Uh, but uh, I remember just sitting there and going, there's no hope. I remember going to Christmas Eve because we're Hispanic. So we celebrate Christmas Eve. Right. And so I remember going to my grandma's. <laughs> that's a that's a Hispanic thing. It's That thing sucks. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> you wake up Christmas morning, you got Jack. <laughs> it's over. They're like, stay up till midnight. I'm like this. Yeah. Struggling. But um. I, I remember going and my uncle had told me he's a he's a Christian and he was like I thought you were dying because I thought you had AIDS. He's like you look terrible 
And I had saw a picture of me, and I was like, man, I looked bad. No wonder he thought I had AIDS. I, I looked like I was dying. And and then I had New Year's, and New Year's I could hear all these people having good times, and I was just at home by myself being a drug addict. And I'm like, man, this is not what I want. I'm lonely. My, uh, my wife wasn't there anymore. She was just hanging out with her own friends, doing her own thing. And I'm like, I don't have nobody. I'm, I'm, I'm alone. I was like, I'm, I'm over it. You know, I'm done. And, and it brought me to that point where I was, I was just ready to, to do it, just to end it all. I remember trying to get so high, it, and I could not. I did everything in my power. The, the more drugs I used, the less high I got. I was like, this isn't making sense. Mm. I was like, I, I, this isn't working. What's going on? And I couldn't figure it out. And the next day, my wife came and she goes, hey, there's this program that you're the church your parents go to. So like, I want you to go or I'm never talking to you again. Mind you, I hadn't talked to her in three months. I already hadn't been talking to her. She was gone. She was gone. She didn't want anything to do with me. And I'm like, all right, well, if I get to talk to you, sure. See, I always tell people the Lord knew what I wanted, right? He knew my weakness. It was always, it, it, I would always try to please her, but drugs are, were always my first love at the time, right? And so I was like, all right, well, let me get this opportunity to, to try to talk to her again, right? I'll, I'll get into this program. I'll hang out for three months, get clean and sober, get a clear head. I'll go do it again. As long as I get some clean time, I'll be cool. Sound like a drug addict, man. Just like a drug addict, right? <laughs> uh, there was a lady at, my, at our church. She said, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Three months to the day, I gave my life to the Lord. Wow. When I made that deal, I was like, I will stay here three months and then leave. God said, you're going to stay here three months and then you're going to come to me. I wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Elevate Ministries. Elevate Ministries is an authentic, passionate, and innovative church in the heart of Orange County, California. They strive to make their services welcoming and encouraging by intentionally engaging you in all senses to stimulate a spiritual hunger. If you're looking for a great church that's on a mission to change the world one person at a time, I encourage you to check them out at www.elevateministries.com and on Instagram at Elevate Ministries. And it was unbelievable. Was things working for you in there during that time? Yeah, absolutely. Are you trying to see the light a little bit? Are you fighting it? Are you just doing it for the wrong reasons? I think at the time I was doing it for the wrong reasons, but then things started to make sense, right? You'd be in church, you'd hear something, and be like, all right, cool, I like that. And then you're like, all right, well, I don't like that. So I'm not going to hear that part. But then more and more, it just started to receive. You know, the Holy Spirit just started working, right? He started doing those little jabs like, hey, this one's for you. This one's for you. And then so I remember giving my life to the Lord. And so at our church on, on Wednesday nights, we have a men's Bible study, right? And I told God, if you let me share my testimony on a Wednesday night, I'll, I'll give my life to you. It was a stupid deal. I, I don't know why I wanted that deal. It just made sense in my mind. And I was like, I, I just want to just share what I've been going through. Well, I didn't know how Wednesday nights work. I thought you just had to like, I thought our pastor came and like, hey, do you want to share? All you had to do was ask. And so I remember telling him like, hey, uh, I want to share my testimony. He goes, all right, cool. I went, all right, God, I guess we're in. <laughs> I guess we're in. And, and I had given up everything. I, I, I laid it all out and said, all right, it's all yours. I'm not going to focus on anybody but you. The next day, my wife came into the woman's home. Wow. 
So our women's home was at, at the time it was at, at the house that's connected to our church. And I remember we, we used to get bread uh, to, to donate. So we went to go pick it up and we pulled into the driveway and there she is on the steps of the church. I went, God, this wasn't the deal. Right. I, I was like, hold on. I said, I'd give her up. I didn't say bring her over here. I was like, she can go get saved somewhere else. Like, I don't need her saved here. What, what were you, why were you thinking that? Because she was already out of your life and you're like, yeah, okay, this is going to cause me so it, a problem. It, with my with my deal with God, I told him, I was like, I'm going to give her up. I'm just going to pray for her salvation and, and let her do her thing. If she needs to, to get clean and sober, she can get clean and sober. Like, I'm just going to focus on what the Lord has for me. And then he brought her over. I was like, I, I told you I gave her up. You don't need to bring her back over here. And so... That was hard. She only lasted five days. And, and so the Lord said, okay, that first five days that she was, that five days she was here was your test. Are you going to leave with her? And I remember wow. fighting God. I went, no, I, I, I don't need to stay here anymore. I was like, I got it together. I need to go save her. You know, I, I need to be that missionary that changes her life. Right. Which, which. You deal a lot with people in recovery. Mm-hmm. Rule number one, you, you don't do that. Right? Don't do that. You don't do that. <laughs> you don't go to the drug addict's house to go get him saved or anything. Right, right. Just set yourself up. And so I, I was fighting with God. And and, and it was hard. I, I cried. I, I struggled. And I said, all right, I'm just going to stay here and do me. I was like, my, my focus needs to be, like I said, uh, on me and the Lord. And I would pray. I used to pray that I would get her back. But my prayer was just that she would get saved at that point. And like, why do you think she made that deal though? Huh? Like, why did she tell you she'd be with you if you went to that home? But she was still struggling in her own, with I her th- own self. I think the Lord used her. I think that was uh, that was total, the only thing that probably would have got you to get there. That was the only way he would have got me because got that was all part of his plan. So my parents didn't start going to that church till I tried to commit suicide, and then so that just opened the door for them to start going to church. Right? You know, I think about uh, with Lazarus, right? And, and when Jesus sh- shows up at the tomb and he goes, I'm happy that this happened for your sake, right? Like he was, he's like, I'm glad this happened. You're like, what do you mean he's glad that he died? That doesn't make sense. But now I understand it because he was glad that that would happen to me because my parents gave their lives to the Lord, recommitted their lives. Then I came to the Lord and I started serving God. And I remember, I'm just going to pray for, for, pray for Shannon. I'm going to pray that she just gives her life to the Lord. And then... A few months later, I get a message from her, and she goes, "She goes, I'm pregnant." I'm like, "Praise the Lord! I, I can't. I'm so excited that that you're pregnant. It's that's great. I'm, I'm glad because my prayers are being answered now." I was like, "Now she has to get sober." Mm. I was like, "This is great. This is working out. Praise the Lord!" And she goes, "But I don't want to be with the dad." I'm like, "All right. Well, good luck on being a single mom. I don't like. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, cool." And she goes, "She goes." She's like, no, I want to be with you. I'm like, what? I'm like, I haven't seen you. I haven't talked to you. Like, this wow. is weird. Like, what? what's going on? And in my mind, I'm like screaming for joy, right? But then I'm like, how is this going to work out? And the Lord told me, you're just going to take over. You're, you're, you're going to be the fatherly figure in that, in that child's life. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm in. And I, and I told her, okay, well, you got to come to church first. Yeah, you gotta come. You gotta come to church. I, this isn't gonna work out unless you're, you're a believer, right? Wow. And I, I didn't tell her that like that. I said, "Well, you just gotta come to church." 
And so she started coming to church, and we were going through the, uh, the Proverbs at the time. And they were talking about the wayward woman and stuff like that. And she goes, why would you even call me, tell me to come to church? I was like, what? She goes, she's like, why would you do that? She goes, they don't know me. You know, when all of a sudden you think that they think every the scripture is against you. Yeah. Man. <laughs> and, and, and she started to get convicted, but the Lord just started ministering to her. And I remember I had started working now and, and I've just paid for her to go to a women's retreat. I was like, Hey, this weekend you're going to the women's retreat. And I gave her the date. She was like, no, I'm not. I was like, yeah, I already paid for it. And she was furious. She was mad. She's like, I'm, she's pregnant. She was like, so August. So she was like six months pregnant. And, uh, and she went to the retreat and she came back and she was like, I gave my life to the Lord. Changed her life. So all these, this whole time I'd been praying for her. I first I had prayed that, that we would get together. And the Lord said, no, you're, that's not what your prayer should be. Your prayer should be, you be saved. And I was like, well, I'm just going to pray that she gets saved. I'm going to pray for a godly woman. Well, I didn't know God was going to just make her the godly woman I was praying for. Wow. And he just did an amazing miracle. And so when I was in that program, uh, we struggled. We did some things we shouldn't have done that uh, as believers, you know, we, we, uh, we, we did some things outside of wedlock that we should not have done. And, and I, I almost made her fall away. She was like, well, if you could do that, why can't you just come live with me? Yeah. And I was like, well, that it doesn't work like that. Well, she was like, well, why would it work like that the other day? And I, and I, it hit me hard and I had to check my spirit and say, you know what? I messed up. I'm sorry. You know, I really made a mistake and, and, and we need to move on from this. I need to show you how I should be. I need to be a godly man now. And I remember we got, I got to propose to her in front of the church. We got married in front of the entire church. Like it was cool. It was great. And then I moved out the day we got married and we had our baby girl, Abigail, our oldest, who's a fireball crazy. Um, and I, I can't even explain it. You know, one of those things that like when people say, well, miracles don't happen. I'm like, man, you have to see the things that I've seen. Right. Right. Like miracles happen. And it, it's been amazing, man. I, I, what kept you going, man? What do you think kept you going not to give up after you, after you, you almost died after you've seen so many things after you, after you wanted to die the second uh -huh. time. I mean, what do you think that, what, what was the drive? What was the motivation there? Was it just the Lord? Was it his spirit just talking to you? What, what was that? Not to give up when I, when I gave, gave my life to the just Lord. Just before and then after. Oh, when you got to man. the home and then after. You know what? Because a lot of, you probably, you probably know this better than anybody helping people now. A lot of people give up in that process. Yeah. They don't last. What was the difference for you that made you last? You, you know, you say you messed up. You, you, you made some mistakes through that process, but still you, you pushed through. So one thing I learned as a believer, one thing my wife said, she goes, you, you got to know God's real because no one was going to get you sober, right? There was no one or no, no thing that could get you sober. And when I messed up and when those things started going and I was like, man, I really need to, to get my life together. All I could think about it is if I fall now, now I'm going to affect her and a baby. Mm. Now it's not just me. It's not just the me show. It's a us show. Right. And now I have another baby 
So if I ever fell, it's not just me. It's there's four of us that are going to be affected. And I think that was the driving factor is, is the Lord said, look, it, it's not you anymore. You, you have other people. I liked what you shared at our marriage retreat when you're talking about the umbrella, you know, the covering. And, and I had, and that was something that I struggled with for a long time. I was like, well, I'm covered. I'm covered. You go hang out back there. As long as I'm covered, I'm good. Right. And, yeah. and so that was really what, what the Lord had to show me was like, look, it, it's not just your show anymore. It, there's, there's other people involved now. Yeah. So you need to get it together. Was, it was purpose, huh? Purpose. A, little bit, a, a little bit of purpose that gave you a reason to live. Mm-hmm. Purpose for living. I think uh, I think a lot of people don't have purpose in life. Yep. You know, And I'm not saying you have to have some great purpose, right? Sometimes we think when we say the word purpose, like we have to have this great, be this great missionary or, you know, have this big organization or be, be known, you know. Yep. I think it's just, it's a simple thing. Mm-hmm. Like here's a woman that's pregnant, not my child, but... She needs me. Yep. You know, not only for her salvation, but now this baby, because I love her, because I want to help her, now gave you some purpose to say. And I, and I think that's one of the biggest things that even in salvation is like, come to God. It was not just for yourself, but for the people around you. You know, for those that are affected by you, for that family member that's hurting or that, you know, that that, that woman that you love or those kids that need you. This It, it was a purpose that just said, here, here's something. Maybe God said, "Here's here's something to give you something to live for." Yep. And it, like you said, it's never it's never the the it's never the plan you thought. No, never, never. That's what my wife said. She goes, she goes, if it wasn't for Abigail, which is our oldest, she goes, I never would have got clean and sober. She was like, God allowed that to happen, yeah. right? And you know, and, and it's true. I think God allows certain things to happen in our lives to to really change our ways right uh i tell people i'm like they'll they'll ask me at work you don't even drink a beer you don't do any of that i'm like man you don't want that guy <laughs> i was like that guy will drink one beer and have a needle in his arm and they're like that's a little extreme i was like man then you guys don't know who i used to be and thank god you don't know that guy i was like because i was super extreme now i have purpose now i have things to 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 look forward to one of my biggest fears in life was to be forgotten right I didn't want to be forgotten. I was like, but now I'm able to hold a legacy for my girls, right? I'm be, I'm able to to lay a foundation for them, and, and they'll remember me. That's all. You know, as long as the Lord remembers me and they remember me, I'm good. Right. That's all that matters to me. I'm excited. That's crazy, man. So, so you've been married now how long? Eight years. Eight years. Drug-free. Drug-free, eight years. Eight years. And now you are part of a ministry a run a ministry, right? But I understand it helps addicts. So as of last week, no more, no more. So, but I did. So we, it, it's ironic because, you know, when you become a Christian, you're like, I want to do more, right? There's something that, that God's calling me to do. Right. I, I just don't know what it is. Right. And they had started this recovery me, uh, ministry on Friday nights. And I was like, well, I'm gonna go ask the guy if he needs help. So I, I went over and as I was walking to him, he was walking to me to ask if I wanted to help. And I was like, all right, cool. I was like, that's gotta be the Lord. So we started getting involved and only like a few months in, they're like, Hey, we're having some issues. We need to step down. You and your wife are in like, wait, what? (laughs) I'm just here to help dude. Yeah. I'm just here to, to just hang out. Like I'm just trying to stay sober. 
And they're like, no, we, we believe that, that you guys are a good fit. Wow. So we did it for six years. Uh, and, and But it's been great. It's crazy. I always tell people, I'm like, who would have ever thought he would have got the worst drug addict and now he's helping drug addicts? You know, or, or people just people in recovery general, like that are struggling and hurting. Like, who would have ever thought? How hard is it though to 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 do that? Was it easier for you because you had more compassion and you're able to understand where they were coming from? I, I'm sure that was part of it, but to me, it would be like it's almost like you know they're gonna fail a couple times before they get it right. And so, I mean, do you go into thinking that, or do you like, like you? I, this is dumb, but I, I watch Intervention, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's like a gimme, like they're gonna, they're gonna fall back, you know, maybe once or twice, and then sometimes, you know, at the end, it's like, hey, they're back in the street, whatever, and you're like, oh man, but so, sometimes you, the more you watch that show, the more you come to realize, like, that's, that's part of it. Yep. Right. And, and to the normal guy, you're like, come on, man. Like, the, why is it not working? Like, why aren't you getting it? But are you the guy that says, yeah, hey, you just got to keep going. Start over. There was a girl that would come to our meeting every day, every Friday. And she'd go, I'm 30 minutes clean. We're like, praise wow. the Lord. Some people can't even make it 30 minutes. And you would just encourage her, encourage her. And, and she would come again. She'd be like, I'm a day clean. All right, cool. Praise the Lord. That's even better than last week. And she would fall, and then she would come back, and then one day she came back. I, we hadn't seen her in a long time. She came back. She was like, I'm two years clean. Wow. And, I'm, and so the encouragement I, I say in that is, is who cares how many times you fall? We're just there to help you. We're there to guide you. Because uh, we have a men's home program at our church, right? And, and in that program, they say in recovery, one out of ten make it, right? That's okay, because then eventually they'll be that one out of 10, right? They're not that one out of 10 today, but they'll be that one out of 10 tomorrow or the one out of 10 later. We just want to focus uh, on encouraging them and and, and wanting them to just love on them, right? I think if you go in it thinking, I struggle with the intervention show because I feel like they give people a bad rap, right? Because a lot of those people are good people. Yeah. You know, I... I, (laughs) Prisons are filled with great businessmen, right? <laughs> they just made bad choices, right? The The streets are filled with genius people. They just made dumb choices, yeah. right? And, and so I think about that, and I'm like, man, like, if they just knew the talents, if they were just shown the talents that they really have, they they could their whole lives would change. But their whole lives of being a drug addict, I know this personally, is, is that you, no one ever gives you worth. They just see you as worthless. So once you give them the worth, they're like, okay, I am worth something. But then when you lead them to Jesus Christ, their worth is elevated beyond anything, right? Right. And I think that's our goal. That should always be our goal, even for people in recovery, is is if you can show them Jesus, their worth, their value will change, and they'll want to get clean. They'll, they'll, They'll have that drive to get clean, right? I think if we just focus on, hey, you need to get clean, you're just giving them a, a duty. You're telling them what to do, right? And as a drug addict, ain't nobody going to tell me what to do, right? But if you lead them to the Lord and you just show them what, what, what the Lord can do in their lives, it'll change them. Wow. What are some su- successes you've seen in there, man? Chris. Chris. 
but uh, no, one uh, that girl that I told you, one of my favorites right now. Uh, it was a guy. He he came Chris, into the home. Chris's story is amazing. Chris's story is amazing. Right? I I love Chris. Go back and listen to to Chris Mora's story, man, on Great. the podcast. It, Chris's story is amazing. I mean. I think for me, because I know I, I knew Chris, mm-hmm. I knew where he was at, and and to see his life transformed like that, I mean, it's like I'm like, whoa, <laughs> it's wild. I seen young Chris before he got all messed up, and then I seen that Chris that was all messed up for a long time, and then to see this Chris is like, I'm like, whoa, he, he almost lived like three lives. Yep. Do you ever feel like you lived a few lives? <laughs> I think I got too many lives. Right. Sometimes I, I feel like a cat. I'm, I'm like curious, like how how did I even make it this far, right? It, uh, I used to joke around, be like, I'm gonna be part of the 27 Club, and then I almost was part of the 27 Club. I'm like, mm, this isn't so funny. Yeah, I was like this it's pretty young. Yeah, it's like, right? too young. So that's, that's the uh, all these famous all the famous people, people that died yeah. at 27. Yeah, but they all died from terrible things, you know. And I'm like, why did I want that? Yeah, that was that was my look. That's what I looked up to. That's what I wanted to reach for. But yeah, it's crazy. I sometimes I look at my life, I see the world today, and I see like homeless people or drug addicts, and I'm like, man, the Lord took me out right on time, because I would have been that guy that would have been talking to a, a a post in the middle of the street, you know, like just some sign, just screaming at it or just screaming at this air. You know, I was like, man, that that would have been me if I would have stayed out there just a little bit longer. What is the biggest lie about drugs? There's a young person out there. What is the biggest lie that you see about drugs? You're hurting yourself. That's it. You're 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 only hurting yourself, right? Because you, well, it's my life. I'm only hurting myself. But we got to remember, we have family members, loved ones that see us every day, or or they they see you and they're like, man. I would just want them to change, right? I know that's what my parents wanted. They were probably dying inside just seeing me waste away. And they were like, I just want to see him change. You know, and, and I'm like, but this is my life. I'm only hurting myself. But it's a lie. It's a lie. Or 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 there's, it's freedom. You're free. That's the biggest lie. Oh, I'm, I, I'm so free because I get to do whatever I want. That's not freedom. Freedom to have to wake up and wonder what where you got to go to to make money or where you got to go to get high. You know, that's not freedom. Freedom comes when when I could someone offers me a drug and I say no. That's freedom. That's real freedom where I can just be like, "No, nah, I'm cool. I'm good. I am all right. Not today." Right. I I I just there's, you know, I I want people to know that there there's a giant it's a giant lie. Mm-hmm. You know, especially young people, you know, that you can get high casually or you can do a little bit of drugs and, and and drugs are even even now from when the time you used to get high they're, they're way more potent they're way more dangerous mm-hmm. uh they're way more available um and i and i think the the, the best thing is don't even do it you know and, and that's for, that's pretty much for everything you know people think they can smoke a little weed here get get drunk here and be okay but all that stuff has consequences man or could lead to crazier things Mm -hmm. i always always tell people sin never stays small you know i think we should never think of ourselves outside of of 
of a specific sin, right? Well, if I just drink, there's no, I would never, never do this, right? And then all of a sudden you're there, right? I used to pride myself in, I, I don't shoot up. I'm not that kind of drug addict. And then I started shooting up. I became that drug addict because sin never stays small, right? It never just locates itself, right? In anything, right? It, it just grows and grows and grows and grows into other things. And all of a sudden you're doing it all, right? And so it's, it's not, it's not fun. It's not exciting. It might, it might be exciting for a day, right? What does the Bible say? Since, uh, since fun for a season, season, you know? Yeah. Sometimes the seasons are really, really short. Right, you just have a good time one day, and then the rest of it's miserable. And that's usually how drugs are. It's just miserable. I've never, I've never seen someone say this is the greatest time of my life being a drug addict. Right, just the same as I've never seen someone leave the Lord and say, "Oh, I'm so happy that I left the Lord." No, the greatest time of your life is serving God. Right, the worst time of my life was when I was a drug addict, when I was in the world doing all this crazy stuff. Man. It's, it, 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 it's crazy because I think we talked about the process of forgiveness, but there was a process of forgiveness. There's a process of becoming a drug addict. There was a process of getting off drugs, you know, and there's a process of, of, of you know, falling, making mistakes, but to keep going, you know, that I think that's a story with, with, with life. Basically. I, I think it, it's a process. It's an end goal. We're, we're working our way to that goal. We try to get better each and every day and it's little steps you know here and there but it's constant process to yep. get there right yeah i think what what did paul say we're we're going from glory to glory yeah we're just it, we're every day we're getting closer right god god didn't call us to be perfect but he's calling us into perfection right he didn't say hey when you wake up tomorrow you're going to be perfect he goes no he goes you're going to go through things i think james said it he goes your trials are going to bring up character and all those things you're just going to develop to be a better person Right. And and I think that in, like you said, in the process, that's what makes us who we are today. Right. There's no way I would be who I am today without that long process. Right. That, 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 that throwing myself into the fire in order to come out even a little bit better. Right. Of course, I'm going to fall. I always share with everybody. If I'm going to fall, I'm going to make sure I fall like a running back. Right. You know, when they're hitting the goal line, and they hit and they get tackled and they always go fall forward. They try to fall forward and then they do that little reach like it gives them a little extra. Like, I'm going to try to do that. I'm just trying to reach to Jesus as much as I can. Right. I just want to get a little bit better. And if I today I only go this far, that's OK. I went this far. But tomorrow I'm going to try to go a little bit farther than that. I just want to be better than I was yesterday. You know, that's what's important to me. That's good, man. So where's Caesar at now, man? What do you What are you up to, man? What do you What do you do? So, like I said, we, me and my wife were were leading the ministry, the recovery ministry. I've been going to Bible college. I I, I really feel like God's called me to teach. I, I I've I've felt that calling the first year I was a believer. I don't know why I, I felt that calling then. I just knew that's what I want to do. So I I started going to Bible college during COVID. It was a kind of a weird time because we were doing like Zoom meetings and stuff. And so we were doing the recovery meeting. And just a few weeks ago, I was talking to my pastor and now I do the midweek. I teach the midweek. And so I, I we stepped down from the recovery meeting, right? And and so though I know the Lord's doing something. It's really, really scary. 
it's something, again, I've always wanted to do, but it's totally different. Going into a recovery meeting, you can have a good time. I'm not saying you don't have a good time teaching, but it's much different. Teaching's a little bit, you got to be on point. Absolutely. Right? You got to know your stuff. Absolutely. It's it's a whole nother ballgame. So so I'm in school still. So I'm in school and I do the midweek. So my schedule is crazy. I have two girls, two little girls, seven and five. I'm married. I have a full-time job. So trying to shuffle those things out around, sometimes I'll get so caught up in studying and my girls are like, hey, let's go outside. I'm like, hold on, I'm busy. And then right when I say that, I'm like, let's go outside. Let's go outside. So we, and it's crazy because I just took them skating. They, they love roller skating. So I took them skating. We have this new neighbor around the corner and I started talking to him. He's a believer, solid believer. It's just sharing books we're reading. And I'm like, man, if I would have just been so caught up in my time, I never would have met someone else to encourage me when I'm in this crazy time in my life. Right. And then I got to spend time with my family. And the Lord said, look it, when you get back, your mind's going to be clear from it all. And I was able to study perfectly. And so, so yeah, so I'm doing the midweek. I'm going to Bible college. Um, I don't know. I don't know where the Lord's taking me. I just know this is where he wants me right now. My, my wife's in nursing school too. So there's a lot of school going on. <laughs> a lot of school going so on. So you're saying that it's the process the continues. Process, the another, process. another level again. Yes. For both of you guys. Yeah, it's, it's great. I, I, my wife is probably my biggest encouragement, right? I, I, when you had asked me to come share, I, I told you, you gave me the day and I said, all right, cool. That's cool with me. And right when I, I, I sent the text message, I was like, I got to find a way to get out. And, and I told my wife, I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I was like, why do I not want to go? I was like, I know the guy. He's cool. He's nice. I was like, he lives around the corner. I don't have to drive far. Like, it, it, it just makes sense. It should be so easy. And she was like, why are you nervous? I was like, I don't know. She was, it's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. <laughs> you just, just relax. You know, and, and she encourages me. She was the one who encouraged me to go to Bible college. She was the one who encouraged me about the midweek. She's just been the one who encourages me, encourages me, and just been my, my, my rib. Been my spare rib, man. Just so how, so how, do the, how does two drug addicts end up? In Bible college, in nursing school, with two lovely little girls, loving God, serving God, doing all this great stuff, man. It's amazing. The Lord, the Lord. It's, it's wild. It, it blows my mind, too, because I w- the only way we met is because I was her drug dealer. <laughs> and the only reason we started dating is because she thought she was going to get me sober. That was the whole plan. And in her mind, that my plan was just to get high and... The Lord, what the Lord brings together, no man can separate. It was crazy. Wild, man. It, it's unbelievable. It blows my mind sometimes because I look. Sometimes I'll be at home and I'll just be looking at my girls and I'll look at my wife. And I'm like, is this real? I have to like sit my pin. All right, well, I'm alive. This is real. And I have to do it again. I'm like, maybe I'm not pinching myself hard enough. And the Lord goes, it's real. I, it's nothing you've done, right? You just... Serve me, and I'll take care of the rest. Wow. You went from the guy that didn't believe he tried to commit suicide to the guy that can't believe how much God's done in his life. Blows my mind. I I used to be the guy. 
who would roll cigarettes with the little Bibles. I would use the little paper, uh, rolling papers to roll cigarettes, right? Sinner. Sinner. It was terrible. (laughs) And now I cherish the word like no other. It's unbelievable. I won't even breast anything on top of my Bible. If I have two two books, if I have my Bible and a book, I always make sure the Bible is on top. If something's touching it, I like knock it off to get it out of the way. (laughs) But but that's because it means so much to me because I know that's what changed my life was his word. It, it really did a work in me. Right? It, it, it trips me out. It trips me out to this day. I'm, I, I see people who are, I see a lot of my friends who are still in the world. And I'm like, why me? Why me, God? And he tells me, he tells me every time he goes, because now it's your turn to share with them. He goes, you've been away from them long enough. You're okay just to share with them. You don't got to hang out with them. Just share with, with goodness. And I try to reach out. But, you know, they don't want to talk to me. Well, they see because they see your life, man. Yeah. They see your life. They see it's changed, and they feel, man, I, I can't do that. And they can do it. They can. And so sometimes you see things, and you see people, and they're doing it, and you're feeling like, well, I can never do it. So I don't even see that, dude. But you did it. I had a friend. He He's still in the world, and I when I first came into the home, I got saved, and he goes, hey, man, what are you doing? I was like, man, I'm saved. I gave my life to the Lord. I was like, God stuff's cool. He's like, but it's not for everybody. It's just not for me. I was like, bro, I was like, it's for everybody, man. I was like, it's for everybody. You would love it. You would love it. I never talked to him since. <laughs> it, like, scares people to, to, I don't know, it trips me out. Sometimes you want to grab people and be like, this is good. This is good. I promise. Right. Just enjoy this. Just come and try it. And they're like, nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. I feel you on that, man. Sometimes you just want to shake people, man. Yeah. Tell them, hey, this is this is this is what you need. Mm-hmm. It's what you need. I'm telling you. That's a good thing. It's a good thing for us, you know, that it burns like that in our lives, man. That it really uh we want people to to know what we know. We want to sh- we want them to feel what we feel, and it's it's not like we think we're better than them. It's just that it's so good that it, and it's it's God is so good to us and and helps us and He's there for us, and we want them to experience the same thing. Like, look, man, you don't got to go through this world yeah. all by yourself, man. You don't got to face life, you know, and and struggle and 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 not have any hope or you know anything like that. It's got to come to Him. Yeah. But- I had a teacher tell me, he said, if when you give your life to the Lord, the joy and the hope that you get, you can't hold it in. It like, it just wants to spew out of you. Right. And that's how it feels. Sometimes you're just like, you just want to just share it with everybody. You just want to just scream it out. Right. And, and and sometimes you just want to grab them and just shove it down their throat. Like eat this. It's going to fix you. Like, like, good stuff. uh, man. Hey man, I appreciate you coming down, bro. Thank you. I had a great time, man. It's it's been good getting to know you, and uh, even in the classes, even when we went to minister mm-hmm. at your church, man, I always felt you had a great spirit, man. And I see you yeah. and your wife, and I can genuinely see that you guys love one another. Oh, man. absolutely. And uh, I'm glad you, I'm glad you came out. But we got Thank one you. last thing here, bro. We do the Furious Five here, man, and we ask you five furious questions to close out the podcast. Are you ready? I'm ready as I can be. Question number one on the Street Gospel Furious 5 for Cesar Franco. If you can go back and be 
14 and speak to yourself, what would you say? Share what you're going through. Open up. Don't be scared what anybody's going to think because you got to let it out. Don't bottle it in anymore because it's only going to eat you away. That's what happened, huh? That's what happened. I held it in for too long. Man. Question number two on the Street Gospel Furious Five. What is your favorite food to eat? Ooh. I'm in a season right now. A season. A season. I'm really into Korean food. Korean food. That's like Cam over there, man. Cam, we like that Korean barbecue and all that weird stuff. What up? What is that Korean stuff that you eat? The weird stuff? Oh, I'm down for the kimchi. Man, you eat kimchi. Stinkiest food on the planet, but it's the best. Cam, we be eating some weird stuff. What was that stuff? Was that Korean food that you brought that one day and I tried it? Oh, that was Japanese. What was that? But what is it? Yeah, it was fried squid balls. I mean, dude. Oh, yes. Takiyaka? Takiyaka? Yeah, I don't know, man. Something like that. I, with try, I tried it, but he's over there eating. I go eat that in your room, dude. It smells, stinks up the whole house. No, the kimchi will kill kill you. Oh. Question number three on the street, Gospel Furious 5. If one thing had to go, what would it be? Your hair oh. or fabricating metal? One has to go. Oh, fabricating metal. Oh, you. Oh, over the hair. Yeah, I would have guessed the the hair would have got shaved before you before you uh, gave up fabricating metal. I'm not. I'm not a metal fabricator. I anymore. thought you said. Oh, you don't do that no more. What do you do then? I'm a, I'm a forklift mechanic. Oh, that's what you. Oh, you're with Chris. I'm the one who got Chris a job. Oh, he didn't even <laughs> tell me that story, bro. <laughs> so is the hair staying forever? So it it's a promise to God. Oh, really? I told the Lord. So you're in Nazareth. Sort of. I still drink. I still eat grapes and drink juice. Okay. But, but I told the Lord. I, I said I'll cut my hair when I become a pastor. I was like, so my hair could be scraping the ground for all I know, bro. But that's my vow. How, how long has it been? Three, almost four years. Wow. All right, man. Well, I mean, let's see what happens. Yeah. I, I'm not. I'm not going to say you can't become a pastor, and I'm not going to say, but. You know, the Lord has a process there for you, man. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he might, might have my hair long. growing for a long time. <laughs> you better bust down the head and shoulders, Being bro. Like cousin it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Question number four. Where do you see yourself in five years? Or where would you like to see yourself, you and your wife, in five years? My wife hates this, but I want to have a men's home. A men's home? Yep. Why? It's so it's 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 tough. Bro. That's exactly what she says. Why? Yeah, it's she's tough. Like, Why would you want that on yourself? I, because that's where I got saved. That's where my heart's mm. at. To help the, those to help that are them. like you. Yeah, to help those that are like me. Wow, I feel that, man. I feel that. But wifey has to be on board, man. Because if not, it's going to cause problems. What, what, what scares her when I bring that up? She goes, "Because I know God can do it." She's like, I know your heart. She's telling me that. She's like, I know your heart, and I know God can do it. That's why I don't like it. She's like, because I know God would do it. Yeah. I'm like, and you know, you know, what's funny, and this is the trick that I learned about things when I when, when I pray about things. I don't have to tell my wife. Do you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't, because especially things that I know she's going to be afraid of, like <laughs> that, right? So I just say, Lord, if this is really what you you got to ch- you have to change her heart. Yep. I can't change her heart. I'm not going to force the, the, the force, but you know what I'm saying? Yep. I'm not going to try to make it happen. 
You're going to have to make it happen. Yep. It's on you, Lord. And then there's been times when then the Lord starts, she say a little thing. And I'm like, oh, really? like, like the marriage stuff, right? You shared that at the marriage right? Retreat, and she looked at me. She goes, I already know what you're thinking about. <laughs> See, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it was like, I, I, we should do this. And she's like, I'm not a good speaker. And I'm like, don't worry, love. God's going to give that in, in mm-hmm. you. And I wouldn't say anything. And she'd be like, no, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then look what happened. We were speaking at marriage retreats and teaching classes and everything question number five on the street guys last one for you what is a hobby that you do that nobody else knows that no one else knows i think some people know it i'm I'm an avid anime comic book oh really lego nerd you sound like cam over there bro oh man sound like cam over there korean food and legos okay if I go outside and see your car, you're not going to have none of those weird stickers on your car, right? Uh, no. Okay. Because those anime... People, not those weird ones. Okay. Those no. Are, as long as you're not that well, What weird. weird ones are we talking about here? The ones when you're driving on the street and they have all these stickers on their car <laughs> and the anime stickers, right? I'm just like, something's wrong with these people, man. Okay. But I, I feel like... Him and his uncle, they get they talk about this anime stuff and what's Dragon Ball Z and different stuff like that. I, I feel that stuff. I can see like, yeah, that's pretty dope, man. I, I can feel that stuff. When you start getting weird and then you have like yeah, little karate chicks and tight clothes stickers on the side of your car, you know what I mean? Weird stuff. I'm like, yeah, man. More uh, sticker than window. Yeah, you know what I mean? So hey man. Uh, I appreciate you coming out, man. It, it was it was great getting to know you, man. And uh it meeting you and, and and having you come down man i i uh i love your story man i love the process that you've been through and and, and uh i love your attitude man thank you that's and that's the it's the story of the podcast overcoming mm-hmm. you know when everybody asks me hey what's the story of the podcast and i said that if i could sum it up in more it's overcoming that's right. whether it's whatever battle you had in your life it could be drugs alcohol it could be fighting it could be just just poverty it could be just you know not knowing god whatever it may be you overcome it and i said and and your story fits along those perfectly along the lines of the podcast man so i appreciate you coming out thank bro thank you thank you appreciate it bless you man awesome any shout outs to my wife kids that's about it there you go man hey chris you owe this guy dude you know <laughs> what i mean you owe this guy he saved your life dude okay it wasn't christina it was Caesar, man. He even got you a job, man. You love that job because you always talk to me about it. I'm out, man. Peace. <laughs>